This episode is sponsored by our good friends at Privacy.com. It's like a burner phone for credit cards. To sign up for free and get a $5 credit, go to Privacy.com slash G-O-G. Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Well, Jason, I feel better-ish, sort of. Let me tell you okay. what's happened. Uh, kid is kid is on the mend, better. Slept through the night for the first time two nights ago in, in weeks. That was good. Wife is feeling better. Slept through the night for the first time in, in weeks, two nights ago. Uh, I woke up yesterday still kind of feeling pretty rough, not, not great. Uh, but as the day went on, I started to feel better and better, and I, I felt like I was almost back to my old self. And then I got cocky, Jason. Oh, no. Did you drink? I had a whopping two whole glasses of wine. Oh, Brian, Brian. And I woke up feeling like I'd been run over by a Prius blowing through a stop <laughs> sign in Santa Monica. <laughs> yeah, two glasses of wine, which which for you and me is normally would be considered an aperitif. Uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a warm up. <laughs> that's a warm up. Uh, knocked me on my ass and I am feeling rough today. So, but on the mend. So hopefully I will be able to uh, get back to my normal <laughs> alcoholic ways soon enough <laughs> so you gotta start you gotta start low you gotta like start That's with two Carlo glasses Rossi. of wine over the, over the course of like four hours i really can't believe how much it screwed me up but yeah there you go. start slow with like carlo rossi not Ugh. not the, not the good stuff <laughs> no no top shelf or nothing baby <laughs> yeah well how'd that work out for you so? not very well <laughs> <laughs> amateur move brian amateur yeah, move. i know i know should have stuck with the nyquil <laughs> Uh, I got some questions for you about Whole Foods and Prime. Sure. Okay. I'm a Prime member and a Whole Foods shopper. Yes, I know. You go there Mm -hmm. all the time. I don't because I can't afford to generally. But I was wondering, how are the prices now that Amazon has taken over with all of the Prime subscription stuff? Uh, They have dropped significantly. Uh, You will not be finding any $17 bottles of asparagus water anymore. Um, So, yeah, I actually found an article about this because I had a feeling that this was going to be your question because they just slashed prices again on hundreds of items within the Whole Foods stores this Wednesday, actually, um, as they're trying to battle the the moniker Whole Paycheck that uh, we always talked about it, too. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is the latest attempt to bring shoppers into Whole Foods, including, obviously, Prime members, because um, right now just 11% of Prime members shop at Whole Foods several times a month, according to a recent survey. However, this shouldn't be too surprising, as Whole Foods are not as ubiquitous as, uh, as Prime members are. So there's lots of Prime members that have no access to a Whole Foods, so there you go. Um, yeah, so that they're definitely trying to get prime members to come in. They're trying to compete with your regular, uh, you know, grocery stores. They don't want to be seen as this super exclusive, hippy dippy, incredibly expensive place. Um, they are definitely cheaper. It's still more expensive than say going to a Ralph's or whatnot. Um, but the flip side of that is I think one of the ways, well, first off they're doing what all the companies do now, right? Which is you, you have to compete to win and take out everybody else. So you will cut your own you cut your own profits to beat other people. So they're, they're taking a hit to some degree. The other thing that they're doing, which we kind of knew was going to happen because it's Amazon and their logistics masters, um, a lot of the products that they used to carry and brands that they used to carry that uh, I particularly liked and my family enjoyed are slowly disappearing and they're being replaced with, you know, kind of the generic whole foods version. Um, ah, so we're yeah. losing, yes, we're losing quite a lot of variety and third party items that whole whole foods used to always carry uh because uh you know they're they're not they're not making as much money off them as they would off their own stuff or or stuff that's sourced through different uh different you know different companies with better logistics chains 
Interesting. Yeah. See, my roommate shops at Whole Foods all the time because I have one about a block from my house. Mm-hmm. And she just can't get it around her head that she's I mean, she's a prime member, yep. but she won't install the app because it's too much trouble. And I'm like, well, you're going to save a lot of money. Like, ah, I can't be bothered. You didn't for a long time um, when they first took it over because I I got the app right away and I would always scan it. And you you had to go around the store and find, you know, it was only certain items that were prime member deals. And, it, you know, when you have a kid, you have very specific shopping. Like I, I might as well not delete my my notes, uh, my shopping notes, because we get the same stuff every single time. Right. Um, so uh, so, yeah, you had to be pretty cognizant of it originally and, you know, find the stuff. OK, this week, uh, you know, pineapples on sale. Great. Two for one if you're a prime member. Uh, but that is actually getting better uh, more and more again, because they're trying to, to appeal to that market. So tell your roommate, you know, you're already putting up with no Amazon echoes in your house, right? Get the, get the damn app. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll just install it for her. All you have to do is scan looking. it at the checkout. You know, you just stick it under the thing. And uh, since I'm paying with Apple pay anyways, I, I can go to whole foods without my wallet. I just use my phone. Nice. Yeah. Is there, is there an Apple watch app for prime? Can you scan your uh, watch? Don't know. I don't believe so. Because that would be sweet if you could just go with your watch and leave your phone at home. Just, although, yes, well, yeah, well, you do have the cellular watch, but you turned off cellular. So I did turn off cellular because it didn't seem the point in paying $10 a month for something when I have my phone on me anyways. True. True that. Yeah. Now, speaking of the private label brands from Amazon, and I have seen my roommate bring home a lot of those private label brands from Whole Foods. Yes. And uh it used to be that whenever you would search for something, you would get like Amazon basics ads everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently they're dialing that back quite a bit now. Thank you, Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, exactly. It was an antitrust issue. So they're trying to get ahead of it and, and uh, not get nailed with it ahead of time. So smart on their part. Yeah. Yeah. CNBC did a, a little bit of research on it. And it turns out that like they have significantly rolled back their house ads. And of course, Amazon is saying we're always testing different experiences in order to provide more convenience, more efficiency and more options for customers while shopping our stores. Well, this time they're trying the not illegal experience. Yeah, well, it wasn't illegal. It was (laughs) just sketchy. It's just sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there was a we had a story in the show a while ago uh, when we were talking about millennials and how they're Mm -hmm. fairly useless sometimes. And my dad went to a coffee shop in Naperville, Illinois, and they couldn't figure out how to make change. Right. And they had to, you know, get their phone out and figure out what it was. <laughs> I ran into this the other day. Actually, mm. yesterday, I went to my local sandwich shop and got a sandwich. And it was a very pricey sandwich. It was like 15 bucks. Whoa. But it, did, it did come with fries. And okay. it, was called, it was called the Works. It was like an Italian <laughs> beef with pepperoni and sausage, all this stuff. It was glorious, glorious. I don't need to eat for three days. But anyway, the girl behind the counter, I gave her a $20 bill. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me like I had, you know, antlers growing out of my head. Yes. Why are you not using a card? Well, yeah, they've got this whole, you know, like fancy POS system and everything there. And I'm just like, uh, I would like change, please. And <laughs> she pulls out her phone and has to type in, you know, 1574 minus 20 or oh whatever. Oh, my and God. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, I didn't say anything. I was just like, mm, OK, OK, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and here's the funny part, though. It had the change written right there on the POS. She didn't have to get out her phone. It was right, right. in front of her. Of course it like, was. Wow. Okay. Strange world. Strange world. Strange world. Now, I found a, a follow-up article called The Problem with AI Ethics over at The Verge. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of going through all these different ethics groups that are coming around, like we talked about the Google AI Ethics Board, which we'll talk about in a second here. Uh, this talks about just the state of the 
the industry in general and how they're trying to get ahead of, you know, just the, the public perception on AI. And they want to see, be seen that they're doing something. Right. And everybody's thinking that this is just BS, absolute and utter BS, because these ethics boards have no control over anything that's going to happen. Right. You know, they meet just a couple times a year. And it's, you know, it's just a, a paper tiger, if you would call right. it that. And mm -hmm. one thing that I love about this article that he points out, though, uh, IBM has been vocal about its ethics efforts in AI. And last year, it created an ethically diverse data set to help remove racial bias from facial recognition systems. Right. Reports from The Intercept have detailed how, as recently as 2016, the company's surveillance tech was used by police forces in the Philippines, where thousands have been killed in, in extrajudicial executions as part of mm. a brutal war on drugs. An interest in ethical algorithms doesn't stop companies from assisting deeply unethical causes. <laughs> so I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Excellent. Uh, yeah, people are being called out for this just being bullshit. You know, right. it's just placating the placating the masses, making sure that people are, they're seen to be doing something when in all reality, nothing is actually going to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, Google's AI ethics board is just all over the news. People are quitting <laughs> uh, more petitions and more signatures. And it's just not looking good for Google right now with their their AI board. Nobody can get their ethics together, apparently. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> Brief bit of follow-up on this. We recorded this episode on Friday morning, and as of Friday afternoon, the Google AI Ethics Board has been completely disbanded. Well, we had talked a little bit about how Amazon's Alexas were starting to appear in hospitals and healthcare situations, and uh, it was a bit worrisome, obviously, because there are a number of privacy concerns, and particularly when you get to your health and uh, all that sort of stuff. I am happy to announce that Amazon is unveiling the first ever HIPAA compliant Alexa skills. So they are actually aware of this and uh, putting some effort and thought into it. Uh, they've partnered with a number of different people like Providence St. Joseph's Health Skill, which can book same day appointments, while Cigna and Express Scripts have skills that track wellness incentives and manage prescriptions. And this is all done through completely HIPAA compliant systems, meaning that uh, it's, you know, Everything is protected and stored and blah, 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 blah. Now, on the downside of this, of course, it is uh, up to the individual developer's responsibility to ensure that they honor the law. Okay. Should not Amazon be the gatekeeper here? I don't know about that. I really hmm. don't know about that. I mean, they're, these are trusted developers. You, can't, right. you and I just can't walk in and write one of these. Not yet, but they are planning on opening up a, a whole kind of eligible environment. You will have to apply to it, obviously, of course. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, I, you know, I can see why they wouldn't want to take on that responsibility. Me too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the liability. You, we're that. just a platform, right? That's, yeah. that's what you want to do. You want to kind of uh, make sure that you're not responsible. But I mean, it's... There's no stopping this. I mean, obviously, this is the way things are headed. So it's good to see that they're at least uh, paying attention to it and they're trying to follow the rules because HIPAA exists for a reason. It's pretty important. So I, I think it's funny that the company is well aware that people will be nervous about trusting their medical information to a voice <laughs> assistant. In a statement to TechCrunch, Amazon noted that it securely stores data with access controls and encryption. How's that working out for all these AWS uh, breaches that we see <laughs> because people forget to turn on the encryption? Yeah, that is a, that is an issue, right? So I guess if you're a trusted developer, you remember to hit that switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. seriously. 
Uh, and this I found pretty interesting. We're going to talk about the Internet Archive a couple times today. But uh, okay. this is the first one. The Internet Archive will host 490,000 music tracks that were, quote unquote, lost by MySpace. <laughs> to be fair, they were also, quote unquote, probably illegal. So thank God they found them. <laughs> yeah, but some of these actually aren't. Some of the, you know. That's true. You know, like clips from Katy Perry, Nicki Minaj, and Donald Glover went yes. uh, went tits up. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, this was a research group that had downloaded all of these 1.3 terabytes of music from 2008 to 2010. Yeah. And they got in touch with the Internet Archive and said, hey, guys, here's some. <laughs> so they've been uh, putting these back in. And you can actually investigate the collection using Hobbit, the search engine that they have uh, built into the Internet Archive for the what they're calling the Dragon Horde. <laughs> dragon horde very slow to load but that right. is that is archive.org it is uh woefully underfunded and woefully mm-hmm. underpowered yes it is but uh hey they're trying they're trying in the news well we've all been under a deluge of of robo calls recently and uh, i've got some bad news here election time's coming up and and not so much robocalls, although you'll be getting those as well. Uh, we're going to be getting a lot of text messages that are unsolicited from our lovely, lovely politicians. So uh, peer-to-peer texting platforms allow campaign workers to send large numbers of unsolicited texts to a list of phone numbers. The phone numbers are usually harvested from voter registrations, meaning if you are a decent citizen, they have your number. This is obviously American only. So sorry, foreigners. Um, So, yeah, and they combine data such as location and prior voting history to reach out to voters with invitations to attend rallies, requests for donations, information about polling places and other messages intended to promote a personal connection with the campaign. Now, the why are they doing texting? Uh, Many people do not answer their calls anymore. Obviously, Uh, emails are not seen. And text rates have a uh, have open rates between 70 and 90 percent, which vastly outstrips uh, phone calls or emails. So it makes sense for them to do this. Now, is it legal? They have to press a button every time they send a text. They cannot be completely automated. So what happens is you have volunteers and staffers basically just mashing on a send button to contact up to 1,000 people per day. Oh. Yay. And the, the technology is continuing to evolve. So uh, we will. there's nothing you can do to stop this, really. So every time you get one, you can opt out individually, one by one. But as we know, these groups just split all over the place so be prepared for a lot of uh spam texts great just what i'm looking forward to Mm -hmm. australia has passed a new law that will punish social media companies for violent posts all right Uh, not just a platform what are we thinking (laughs) Uh, we're thinking this is uh this was rushed this was very much rushed So what they're trying to do is stop the thing that happened with the mosque shooting with the 50 people that were killed and the guy live streaming to Facebook as he did it. This is this is a knee jerk reaction to that. And uh, they say these platforms should not be weaponized for these purposes. And the problem is. This is a very poorly thought out bill. And basically every single ISP out there is going, "Hey, hey, hey, guys. Hey, guys, this is this is not a good idea, because what they're doing is saying that you need to be able to get this stuff down as soon as you know about it. And if you don't get it down, then you are in big trouble, big fines, big, big fines. They have 800 penalty unit fines, which uh, currently costs one hundred and twenty eight thousand nine hundred and fifty two dollars. So you can do the math on what a penalty unit is. 
but <laughs> it's, it's like dinging your driver's license, I guess. <laughs> your internet driver's license get a gets 800 points on it. Look, I, I don't have anything. I actually think it's a good idea. Uh, I don't agree with, uh, yeah, it is rushed. It needs to be more thought out, uh, considerably more thought out. I'm okay with fines. I don't like the idea of employees could be sentenced for up to three years in prison. Come on. No, yeah. uh, that's that's ridiculous. Uh, fines. OK. Uh, companies must also inform the police when illegal material is found. Mm. Yep. Mm. That's part of it. You have to yeah. you have to notify the Australian federal police within a reasonable time once you become yeah. aware of, of the abhorrent violent material that occurred or is occurring in Australia. Yes. Right. So the thing about this is, though, this isn't just the platforms. This isn't just saying Facebook has to do it. This, this goes is everyone. The, this goes to the ISP level, which is a right. problem. Yeah, because the ISPs are, you know, they are they are just carriers. Yep. So if they're saying that the ISPs have to be liable for this, then they're going to have to look at everything that goes through the network. And yeah, that just which we do not want. <laughs> no, that is definitely something we do not want, because that just turns everything into a surveillance state. Mm-hmm. So between this and some of the other things that Australia has been doing with their cryptography laws and wanting back doors in i think we should just turn them off the internet for a while and let them stew uh and give, give australia a timeout yeah they australia australia and new zealand need a timeout right now come back to us <laughs> when you've had you've taken some time rewritten these laws to be sane and then we'll let you back in the sandbox right <laughs> you know that's that's all i can think of because these are it's, it's just overreaching and knee-jerk yeah, I mean, un- understandable given the situation that's happened, but uh, yeah, take take a take a deep breath here, Australia. Let's think about this. Let's not break the internet. Yeah, again, again. <laughs> now we had the article the other day about the uh, the nine nine six rules in China, the mm. people having to work, you know, nine to nine, six days a week. Yep. And some people are fighting back. Well, they're trying to fight back. A, a couple uh, Chinese software developers are using GitHub and open source right. licenses to try and uh, get some of these companies that use massive amounts of open source software to say, hey, cut this practice out. What they're trying to do is they're trying to get this new license called the 996.ICU mm-hmm. put into different open source initiatives to say, hey, if you're going to use our software, you have to abide by all the license terms. And in our license terms is this you know, anti-996 license. Right. And... The thing about this is it's not it's never going to pick up. It's I see what they're trying to do, but mm-hmm. nobody worth their salt is going to actually put this into their software because it it might actually be breaking the open source initiatives rules. Right. About restricting access to software based on, you know, just arbitrary things, because it's right. a slippery slope when you start going down that road, because just by putting in a license that says, OK, by using this software, your company has to have these policies in place. Right. Now, what what happens when you get down to something that's, you know, just uh, about an ideology instead of just work practices? Mm-hmm. It's That's where people are going to start fighting back on it. I found this interesting that they're trying to do this, and it got a lot of press because this is the fastest growing GitHub repository in GitHub history. Wow, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, and it's bigger than TensorFlow and some of the Facebook open source stuff. It's crazy, but right. it's... in. You know, I don't think anybody's really picked it up yet because they don't want to have their software kind of blackballed. And because, you know, open source should be open source. If you abide by the standard open source licenses, everybody should be able to use it. That's the way it goes. 
So this is just kind of like trying to backdoor their way into it. And I understand what they're trying to do. I applaud them for trying it, but I just don't think it's going to work. Right. Well, speaking of things that I don't think are going to work, Snap has a new plan. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, the redesign failed. That didn't work to get Snap going. The glasses and the subsequent glass relaunch failed and didn't really get Snap going. Now Snap has a new idea. It wants to sell ads. Okay. (laughs) They announced what amounts to a mobile ad network on Thursday at their first ever partner summit here in L.A. Uh, It will be called the Snap Audience Network, which is basically akin to Facebook's audience network, which has been around since 2014. So in exchange for selling ads on behalf of app developers, Snap will keep a portion of the ad revenue. Uh, Snap hopes advertisers will use the network to reach a large group of people than if they advertised on Snapchat alone. An important point considering Snapchat's user base is no longer growing. So product's not working let's roll out an ad network yeah just take the tech we have for running our ads and see if anybody else wants to use it since exactly so there you go i sense a pivot i sense a pivot too and i heard that that little summit they had was quite off the hook mm-hmm. yeah it was a big hollywood production even uh you know some celebrities were there what are you gonna yeah, well they're rolling out more you know original content snap shows that nobody watches or at least we don't know if anybody's watching because you know they don't release stats which is never that if you don't release stats that means no one's watching exactly i mean that's kind of where we're at so so yeah now they're going to do an ad network and they of course are claiming that their ad network is better than facebook's ad network because they believe in privacy (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's funny that's funny i just love that Mm -hmm. they they named it the same as facebook which has to be a dig that has to be a dig going back to Mm -hmm. facebook stealing stories Mm -hmm. i think so too Tesla's not having that great of a week. Uh, they haven't for a while, have they? <laughs> no, it was, it, it was looking up for a bit. It was looking up for a little bit. Yeah. So one thing that came out this week is some of the new uh, Navigate on Autopilot features, which they're mm-hmm. trying to say, hey, look, look over here. Look over here. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to hit our we're not going to hit our numbers and we're dropping the prices. But look over here. The look car, here. the car can now change lanes without you having to do anything. <laughs> That's, that's really it that's what it is just what we wanted <laughs> yeah it's uh it's basically a new feature that lets the car while it's navigating to where it needs to go change lanes automatically if you go in and set a couple different you know settings inside you have to proactively turn this on mm-hmm. uh in the past to make it change lanes when it when it asked you to change lanes you actually had to physically do something uh and right. you also still have to have your hands on the wheel while this is all happening it's Right. I don't know. This seems like, okay, not really that much. This seems like a settings change. And they're trying right. to trying to put this out as, you know, they're really getting closer to autonomous driving. <laughs> no, it just seems like a, you know, a wag the tail or wag the dog yeah. type of thing. Right. But I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. <laughs> uh, and this one is really funny. Oh, my God. The fastest account on Instagram to hit one million followers came out this week. It's at Mm -hmm. Sussex Royal. Mm -hmm. Well, turns out (laughs) funny story here at Sussex Royal was actually owned by someone else. Okay, And Instagram just took it. Right. They just said, ah, we're going to take it and we're going to give it to the Royals. And (laughs) apparently. It can do whatever it wants. They say, according to Instagram's rules, it has the right to take over accounts it deems, quote unquote, inactive, which is what happened here. Okay. This poor guy's he was, you know, he he was a big fan of the, he, he lives in Sussex and he loves the football club, the Royals who were there. And 
that was his thing. And he just used the account to, you know, like other posts and he never really posted that much. So they just said, yeah, you don't you don't really need that anymore. We're going to give it to the actual royals. So Prince mm. Harry and Meghan Markle, that's their new Instagram account. Great. And it, it got to a million in five hours and 45 minutes. Wow. Beating K-pop star Kang Daniel, who originally did like he's the last record holder. He did it in 11 hours and 36 minutes. So they, they crushed it. They crushed the record. Crushed it. So poor guy, he does have at Sussex Royal on Twitter. So he's he's like <laughs> trying to protect that one now. <laughs> but he's he was very upset. He was very upset. Yeah, I, as you should be. That's 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 kind of bullshit. Hey, that's what happens. Somebody else's platform. Yep. They make the rules. That's somebody else's platform. That's true. They make the rules. Scooter news. Ready for some scoot oh scoot? Boy. Yes, I'm surprised that you found so much. I, I've I've almost been like avoiding it on purpose. I I told you, man. I got that Google alert for scooters every, every now and again. <laughs> you get just a wave of them coming in, mm-hmm. and I thought maybe we should just have a little more scoot scoot news. Okay. Uh, UC San Diego trauma surgeon says number of scooter injuries increasing. Really? Really? Yeah. Shocking. Oh yes, I love this. Uh, <laughs> and he's just seeing like this the just drastic rise in it. Now, the thing about the article that is great. All of us are scrambling to find out how big of a public health concern this is going to be. Most of the time, they say they were doing something stupid, says Dr. Kobayashi. About 50% of the patients that we are testing are intoxicated on either alcohol or other illicit substances. Substances. Shocking. This is Shocking. what happens when you put them in tourist areas like Santa Monica here or Mission Beach. Uh, yeah, duh. People go out to the bars and then go ride the scooters. And then they fall down and go boom. Yes. And they get an ouchie. Sometimes. Kobayashi. Kobayashi Maru. I know. I I saw that too. Yeah. You can't win on a scooter. That's the whole point of it. (laughs) That's right. You got to reprogram it. You do. Uh, Paris is in the news now. They Mm. are going to fine you $150 for riding a scooter on the sidewalk. And if you park your scooter like poorly, which a lot of people do, obviously, it's a 35 euro fine for blocking. These things have got to be covered in dog poop. In Paris. Oh my God. On the sidewalks. Yeah. Like the, the, the scooters have to be disgusting. <laughs> oh, I never even thought about that in San Francisco. They're just covered in man poop. Yeah. Ooh. They need a they need a scooter wash going around. <laughs> that could be a new business. You just go around and, you know, you know, wash your scooter, sir. Wash your scooter, sir. Wash your scooter. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, because they're expecting forty thousand scooters to be in France by the end of the year. Jeez. That's, uh, that's a lot. That's not just Paris, that's but that's a lot. France. Uh, And yeah, I I was like, if that's just Paris, that's going to be ridiculous. Um, Mm -hmm. They're saying that by the end of the year, they want to create 2,500 dedicated parking spaces for the scooters. Yeah, the problem is you don't need just dedicated parking spaces, especially in a city like Paris. I don't know last time you were there, Jason, but the the sidewalks are packed. Like you need somewhere to ride them. There's you can't ride them on the sidewalks and you can't ride them on the streets. That's for sure. Yeah, streets are ridiculous. The sidewalks are ridiculous. So I don't know. I, yeah. I really don't know. Again, it comes back to like my first argument when these things first appeared in Santa Monica. Great idea. We don't have the infrastructure for it. And who's going to build it? And who's going to pay for it? Yep. Yeah. Who's yeah. going to pay for these 2,500 dedicated spots? You know, are exactly. the companies going to yeah. do it or are the no, taxpayers going to get screwed? Mm-hmm. And down in Texas, the uh, state Senate has filed a bill that is going to try and like basically give some rights back to the cities to say that, oh, you know, you have some rights to say what these scooter companies do in your towns. Right. You know, they want to increase the age requirement, decide whether a scooter can be parked or ridden, like where it can be parked or ridden, uh, mm-hmm. penalize people who don't follow the regulations, require riders to hold a driver's license and raise the age of the riders. 
you know, so right. if you have to have all the things that should have existed in the first place. Yeah. Yep. Not having two people yep. on a scooter um, yep. and only allow scooters on roads that uh, don't have a bike lane. If the speed limit is under 30 miles an hour. So, if, you know, okay. if there's no no sidewalk and you have to ride on the road, but it's a 40 mile an hour speed limit, you can't ride a scooter there. Fair. Yeah. Good. So, okay. I mean, I'm it was okay it was proposed. We don't know if it's going to go through, but that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, a man is suing the basically uh, San Diego, the city of San Diego. Okay. All right. Uh, plaintiff Richard Pearson. He's also suing Bird, which is mm-hmm. uh, a good thing. I don't know if he'll win, yes. but uh, he is one of those guys that we talked about who is disabled and has a wheelchair. Right. So he was uh, riding his electric wheelchair down the street, minding his own business. And two girls aged 12 and 14 on a scooter. On two girls, one scoot. <laughs> worst, worst internet meme ever. Um, they crossed over the center line of the boardwalk and into Pearson's path. The scooter caused a cyclist to veer away and then crash into Pearson's wheelchair. That's when he got injured. So he mm-hmm. sustained bruising to his torso, ribs, left knee, and left arm. So he's blaming Bird for not establishing geofences for speed on the boardwalk and not having right. not having a speedometer on the vehicle which is actually something that they should have come to think of it that's true they should mm-hmm. yep and he said the suit contends the city is liable for creating a dangerous condition on public property it blames the city for not having regulations in place that would require geofencing speedometers and signs warning pedestrians that the boardwalk is also used by scooters whose speed could not be monitored so regulations they only slow down progress right yeah yep yeah. Uh, the, this is progress all these scooters this is fantastic <laughs> the mayor has since proposed a number of rules that would regulate the scooter industry including requiring geofencing in various areas including the boardwalk where pearson was hurt so right the city's uh, the city attorney's office is reviewing the complaint and an inquiry to bird did not get a response hmm. now this brings me to my final point for in the news mm-hmm. we need a new villain I mean, we have we have gone through so many villains on this show. We, we we have had Uber. We've had Airbnb. We've had Zuckerberg. We've had Elon Musk. We've had Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Having scooters is our villain for the past couple months is just getting tiresome. We need a new supervillain on the Internet. Somebody get on that. Invent something stupid. Yeah, or something nefarious. Come on, guys. I mean, we've we've yelled at the anti-vaxxers enough. We're just running out of people to yell at. So we need some fresh blood. We need some fresh assholes. The problem is we have to vanquish some of our enemies. They they just don't go away. No, no. They just get subsumed into the zeitgeist. And yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, hey, haven't heard of Travis Kalanick in a while. He's kind of. I wonder what he's up to. Let's do some research for the next show. No, I'm not going to do that. I don't want Travis Kalanick in my search history. This episode is sponsored by Privacy.com. Privacy is the first payments product that keeps your personal information private while being even more convenient than using a regular credit card online. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you. Privacy lets you generate a brand new Visa card number for every purchase you make online with one click with their browser extension or mobile app. Now, I found this product long before they started advertising with us, and I'm a total fan. Every time I sign up for anything online now, I create a new card through the Privacy browser extension and set a spending limit for the cost of the purchase. That way I know that I won't be charged with any add-ons, and if the site gets hacked and my card number gets out in the wild, I'm completely safe. Privacy makes their money the same way debit cards do, with interchange fees paid by merchants. That fee's getting paid anyway when you use your card online, so why not get some peace of mind while you're at it? Sign up. Less than two minutes, and like I said, completely free. 
So far, they've saved their customers over $115 million in unwanted and unauthorized charges. For me personally, they've saved me a few hundred dollars in charges and rebuild expenses I'd forgotten about, but would have had to pay or be stuck on hold with support for ages trying to get a refund. So in summary, you can freeze cards and set spending limits. Cards lock to merchants, making them useless to thieves and hackers, and you can delete cards at any time and kiss forgotten subscriptions goodbye. To sign up for free and get a $5 credit, just go to privacy.com slash GOG. That's five bucks free to spend anywhere by just signing up. Privacy.com slash GOG. No brainer. Get on it now. Privacy.com slash GOG. Security? Ha! We're back this week with Dave Bittner from the CyberWire podcast. The CyberWire is a free community-driven cybersecurity news service based in Maryland. Dave is also the co-host of the Hacking Humans podcast, along with Joe Kerrigan, where they take on social engineering. Now, Dave, I found a fun fact about Maryland for you this week. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. Are you working for the Maryland uh, Department of Commerce now? I uh, guess the, tour- <laughs> the Tourism Bureau. That's yes. It. Okay. Go on. I think, the, go I on. think uh, Jason's employment doubled their employment numbers. Yeah. <laughs> go on. Go on. Well, I have I have to say, friend of the show, Robert Fogarty sent this one to me. All right. There is a there is a Guinness brewery in Maryland, yes, which is, is the only Guinness brewery outside of Ireland. Yes. So suck wow. it, you Californians. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, the, yeah, and it's it's kind of cool. They're located on the site of the first Maryland distillery that opened after Prohibition. They are. Yes. I have not been there yet, but I have several friends who have. And I hear it's a really fun experience. Well, as with all things in Maryland, there is a caveat. Oh, boy. <laughs> they don't actually make real Guinness there. The, you know what they're known for? Hmm. They are the exclusive brewer of Guinness Blonde, which Ooh. any any <laughs> true Guinness lover will tell you everyone has tried once. Aww. <laughs> once. Well, that's unfortunate. Oh, well. I was just about to plan a, a, a Grumpy Old Geeks podcast field trip. <laughs> exactly. I was, wah, too. Wah, I won't wah. even... I won't even get off the freeway for that. Now, now, once again, we have to fly over Maryland and go all the way to Ireland. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yes. As, as friend of the show, Robert Fogarty, once I pointed that out, he, he told me, he's like, what's the fucking point? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I learned recently that um, Ellicott City, which is near here, which you may remember from being a town that has been flooded several times in the past few years. It's an old mm-hmm. mill town and uh, happens to be built in the middle of basically a big granite funnel. So when there are heavy storms, it gets flooded very, very badly. Um, but it's an old, old town. Uh, and turns out during Prohibition, it was the town that Marylanders went to to get their prescriptions for their medicinal alcohol, which mm. was a thing. Mm. Who knew? They went to Dr. Hooch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ellicott City was known to be the place where you could go to get your prescription for your medicinal alcohol. So there you go. Claim to fame. Very nice. All right. Well, I have a little bit of follow-up. We were talking last week, uh, Dave, you're, you're concerned for the dolphins and uh, their privacy yes. and how they got very sad if they didn't get private. And, and lo and behold, did I not find a new article this week? Plants and birds need privacy online, too. Hmm. Our enthusiasm for sharing birds, plants, and super blooms has unintended consequences. Boy, don't we love them. Uh, I'm sure we've all known the story about the, the flower places that have been trampled and ruined by uh, influencers going and taking photos. 
Um, and then this this article got really into some interesting things about uh, open source projects and uh, people who are big bird fans. So there's a site called eBird, which is an online bird watching community um, that has had to start blocking endangered animals so people wouldn't be able to find them. Uh, hmm. There's the idea that the, the well-meaning efforts of citizen scientists and open data projects can do in a pre what had taken previous generations may have taken poachers years to map can now be downloaded in minutes for exotic animals. So there are all these un unintended consequences about putting everything in the world online. Hmm. You send the poachers right to where the birds are. Yeah. Do the work for them. Or other animals, exactly, because people are doing this for, for everything, right? Like we're, we're tracking where elephants are and all that sort of stuff. And all these right. databases are public, public domain and it's all out there. Hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a lake right near my house and it's full of turtles and mm -hmm. um, there are uh, groups of people who come along every now and then and you'll see they have like a big five gallon bucket full of turtles that they're poaching out of the lake, right. which is illegal. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I've seen is that some of the local people have been using Facebook to coordinate the reporting of these folks and call them into the police or even just send somebody out there to say, hey, put those turtles back in the water or I'm going to call the police. Right. So uh, just some organizing on the other side that I guess is helpful. But uh, how interesting that um, if you spot a, a rare bird, your report may be nefariously hidden. used. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But also, yeah. also yeah. hidden. I, yeah. I guess it's for the best. Yeah, I guess it is. Hmm. What's with the weird uh, black market turtle thing going on there in Maryland? <laughs> you got going on? Well, they Someone's use it. Got to the, chase uh, that flavor of the uh, yeah. Guinness blonde, right? I was going to yeah. say they use it. They use yeah. it at the Guinness plant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> ever since they opened the Guinness plant, it's just been <laughs> off the hook. Um, I don't know. Who knows? Um, yeah. the, what I've heard is that there are some um, uh, Asian dishes that turtle like soup. to use turtles, and so. Um, that that seems to be a thing, but uh, yes. we have these. They're called painted turtles, and the lake is full of them. But um, people like to take them, and they're not allowed to do that. <laughs> Rat bastards. Yeah. Yeah. Now uh, we've talked a bit about uh, the somewhat worrisome uh, state of security affairs with our uh, commander in chief, um, mm -hmm. and I'm sure we all heard this story this week: a 32 year old woman from China carrying four cell phones and a thumb drive infected with malware gained access to Mar-a-Lago during President Trump's visit to the Florida resort over last weekend. What the, what reports didn't show is that she had three turtles under her dress, too. <laughs> <laughs> and only ordered Guinness Blonde from the pool bar. <laughs> it's the Southern White House, you know. Yes, well, I'm glad he stepped away from trying to call it that, but it is, in, <laughs> it is de facto pretty much that. And, and the, the security situation there is not good. Um, she basically showed two Chinese passports and said she wanted to go use the pool, and she was brought in. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was Mar-a-Lago's own internal security that then kind of looked at her and escorted her out and turned her over to the secret service. But the secret service has basically said, uh, they do not determine who gets access to Mar-a-Lago. That's up to resort management and entering mm -hmm. the resort does not permit access to areas used by the president, which require additional security screenings. So they're saying not on us, it's on them. And my argument would be if the president is there doing meetings, it's on you. Yeah. There's a lot of weird things about this story. Mm -hmm. Um, first of all, if this woman were up to no good, if she were sent by a state. I've generally found that anybody carrying more than one cell phone is probably up to no good. Well, but my point is, if if let's say China sent her over here, it seems like they would have sent someone who is better at this than her. Right. Right. <laughs> like, 
also, and the, so that's one thing. She she seems to be stumbling around and obviously not very good at this whole espionage game. Right. Um, the other thing is, I suspect if she were a serious threat, we probably wouldn't have heard about her. One would assume, yes. Yeah. Unless it's a double blind. Yeah, could be. <laughs> could be. It's turtles yeah. all the way down. That's it. It's turtles all the way down. Finding out there is actually a a turtle in Maryland that is threatened, which is why it's probably illegal. It is the bog turtle. Oh, okay. Yes, painted turtles are not threatened, but the bog turtle, which might get thrown in with the painted turtles if someone is not very picky about their turtles, definitely. Mm-hmm. I know we have musk turtles, and we also have um, snapping turtles the size of VW beetles. Yeah, those guys are big. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, you you have the bog turtle, the spotted turtle, the wood turtle, the eastern box turtle, the red ear slider, the eastern painted turtle, the midland painted turtle, the eastern river cooter, the northern build red-bellied cooter, the northern map turtle, the northern diamond-backed terrapin. Mm-hmm. Those are those are your main turtles there in Maryland. Yes, we Next are. Next week. Turtles aplenty. Yes. Flora and fauna of Maryland. <laughs> right, <it's> the, <laughs> the, herp- <laughs> the herpetology podcast. <laughs> With Jason and Dave. <laughs> we'll be talking about snakes. The turtles coming out of the water very it's slowly. Copperheads, oh, no. black racers, and brown eastern water snakes. There we go. Yes, indeed. All right. So AI experts are questioning Amazon's facial recognition technology. This would be mm-hmm. recognition with a K, which we still don't know why there's a K in it. Hmm. Well, at least 25 prominent artificial intelligence experts and researchers And from Google, Facebook, Microsoft, and a recent winner of the prestigious Turing Award have signed a letter calling on Amazon to stop selling its facial recognition technology to law enforcement because it's biased against women and people of color. Mm -hmm. Well, Amazon says, no, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) But there is research to say that it is. So it's funny that all these other companies who have competing products are saying, yeah, Amazon shouldn't be doing that. They suck at it. We're better. Yeah. We actually talked about this on um, uh, Smashing Security last week. Um, Carol Terrio had a story about this. It was actually an apartment building in New York that was started using facial recognition. And the stats they had on this was that in terms of recognizing white men, there was a, I think it was a 0.8% error rate. And right. in terms of black women, it was 30%. Ooh, that's a significant... That's Seems out of bounds. That would be different. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, it would. So, and so I suppose I'm just guessing here, but I suppose it's one of those things where you know, data in, data out. Um, the sample size probably of uh, both images of people going in is probably heavily biased towards white males. Mm-hmm. Um, I suspect probably the research is heavily biased by white males. So, in terms of doing their testing. That's probably where they would focus on, hey, does this thing work or not? Right. Yeah, just a yep. guess, but it makes sense that that could could introduce bias into these systems. So I think I agree with this, that until they get this figured out and that sort of bias is a non-issue, then we got to hold off on these things, especially with law enforcement. Yeah, that's where it really comes into. It's like, yeah, if you're selling it for, you know, people at the mall, maybe it's okay, but... The, the, well, even that's not really okay because you, that, that was a, a story that I think we had a couple of weeks ago where you can be banned from the mall if you're like, you know, caught shoplifting in one store and then it goes into the system and then somebody else mm-hmm. in another store, you get picked up on the, on the cameras and they say, nope, out, get out, get out. And it might not even be you because the facial recognition isn't all there yet. Right, right. So, yeah. Yeah, this is just not ready for prime time. It is not ready for prime time. Yeah. 
And these fuckers over at Ben Gurion University. <laughs> now, these now. These guys. These guys. Yeah, I think you mean that as a compliment, don't you? Of course I do. I'm, I am always impressed with what they can come up with. It drives me mad. It's they like, are diabolical, we, aren't they? We cannot have nice things because of these guys. No. Okay. So, well, yeah. yeah the, <laughs> Here's the latest one. They have they've made a malware that can that can trick researchers into thinking that people either a have cancer or b don't have cancer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Depending a Schrodinger's on, box of malware. Yeah, it's Schrodinger's <laughs> cancer. Oh man. So yeah, they can take There's you know, your scans, show title. Yeah. <laughs> Schrodinger's cancer. I do like that one. <laughs> and and so if they can take a scan and they can you know either take away some cancer or put in some cancer. And they've done tests with researchers who are, you know, radiologists who know what cancer looks like and they can fool them, you know, up to 99% of the time, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. So it's that good. And this is just a way to show that these medical devices and scanners are, you know, they're vulnerable to malware. Yeah. The compelling example I heard from this story was, if you remember during the 2016 election here in the U.S. when uh, Hillary Clinton fell ill. Remember, she had mm-hmm. pneumonia or something. So imagine if she went in and she had pneumonia. So she, chances are she got a chest X-ray. Yep. So what if that X-ray came back and someone had hacked it and said Hillary Clinton has significant uh, yeah. instance of cancer? Uh, well, that would certainly have an effect on the campaign. Even if <laughs> yeah. it turned out to not even if it, it, it turned out to not be true. Well, then the conspiracy is, uh, not... theorists start yes. your engines, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that's, that's an interesting case here. Um, I, I don't know that we're going to start seeing um, this sort of thing running rampant, but it, it's good to know that there's a possibility. And I think like like you point out, Jason, this points to other weaknesses in the system mm-hmm. where things need to be better protected and encrypted and all that sort of stuff along the way. Yeah, this is a proof of concept, and it's just an evil proof of concept. I want to have a beer with these guys because the guys who come up with this shit are just crazy good at what I they're think, doing. Uh, I think your lead in calling them fuckers probably means you're not going to be getting a beer with them anytime <laughs> soon, but uh, and that's just my guess. I'm, I'm actually... Yeah. That was a term of endearment. I, I love see. these guys. I've yeah, always okay. loved the stuff that they do. But, I mean, <laughs> some of the craziest stuff with lasers and, and security cameras and using the IR lights to, you know, exfil data. I mean, a, a, any cool thing that you could come up with that you would watch in a movie and go... Oh, that's bullshit. Nobody can do that. They've done it. Mm-hmm. Right. They've, they've done it. These guys well, are so good. I'm interviewing uh, someone from there in the next couple of weeks. I'll I'll pass on your love. Yeah, please do. Because, <laughs> man, those guys, this, it's impressive as hell what these mm-hmm. guys yeah. can pull off. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and stick with the problems in the field of health uh, stories. And health department in India exposed more than one, uh, 12.5 million medical records for pregnant women after, here we go again, it failed to secure a database. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The records span over five years uh, for a state in the north of the country and include sensitive data such as family medical history, mother's age, details of other children, doctor information, and court case details. It was a database just sitting out in the wild. It took three weeks before the Indian Computer Emergency Response Team was able to remove the records from the database, which is still available online, according to ZDNet as of right now. Uh, so, yeah, people just can't seem to lock down their databases, can they? Fresh talent. Yep. Yeah. You know, you know, well, since this is in India, they did hire hire out to Indian programmers. Which well, the we, problem we is they actually is... hired an American company. Oh, 
dome. No, I'm just I'm making that up. I don't I know. know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, people just leave these hanging out there, and um, yeah, they really do. Seems like every day a new one is discovered. So it seems like uh, a week cannot go by with us uh, using the F word, which is, of course is Facebook. Uh, <laughs> and I have to, again, I have to give uh, credit to the folks over at Smashing Security for that joke, which I happily steal from them. Um, <laughs> so turns out that uh, Facebook has been asking some new users for passwords to their email accounts. So for okay. so you go to create a new account on Facebook, and Facebook says, "Hey, what's your email account?" And you give them that, which is all good and fine and what we do. And then Facebook says, hey, how about the password to that account? We'd like to use that to be able to verify that it's you and also suck in your contact list. And people were going for it. <laughs> Unbelievable. And uh, so uh, as, as is the case with these over and over again, Facebook got called on this. Someone pointed it out and Facebook had their standard oh were we doing was that was that wrong should we not have done that i tell you what we're gonna stop doing that from now on we're we're sorry we we shouldn't have done that we're we're not gonna do that anymore hmm. Thanks. yeah their actual phrase was we understand the password verification option isn't the best way to go about this so we are going to stop <laughs> offering it facebook said yeah <sighs> And I love it. It's, it's, it's only for certain email providers. I would like to know which email providers that they have to do this with. Yeah. It, it makes no, it, it actually, it doesn't. They, email is email. You send me an email. I have a link. I confirm my account. Boom. Bob's your yes. uncle. There's yeah. There's no reason for this. One of the no, earlier not. reports seemed to indicate that maybe Facebook was trying to say that they were, they did this with sketchy email providers to try to cut down on scammers and fake accounts and that sort of thing. But no, we're calling foul on that one. This is not something that they ever should have considered asking for. If you're worried about a, a suspect email provider, then you just block them and you say, sorry, you can't register to Facebook with this email. Go get another email account. But right. they need all the users they can get. So, of course, yes. they're going well, to try that, whatever right? they can do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of Facebook's users, here we go. Surprise, another 540 million Facebook users data has been exposed. Mm -hmm. uh, the researchers from the cybersecurity firm UpGuard shared that they found two massive troves of exposed Facebook user data that had been posted publicly on an Amazon cloud server. <sighs> the data included users' <laughs> passwords. And I, I'm getting exhausted talking about unsecured databases. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. So these actually technically not Facebook's fault. Uh, the two troves of data came from two different app developers, uh, Cultura Collectiva, a Mexican company that was responsible for the vast majority of these data exposures, and At The Pool, an app that has been defunct since 2014, but had improperly stored records of 22,000 users, including their passwords. Um, despite being contacted in January by both Amazon and UpGuard, Cultura Collectiva didn't move to take down the data until Wednesday when Bloomberg contacted Facebook about the findings. So Facebook had to go yell at them. Yeah, I had a thought you about guys, this. You guys, you guys, <laughs> stop it! <laughs> My thought about this is that Facebook sharing data like this is like yes. someone sharing naked photos of their girlfriend with their best friend and trusting mm -hmm. them not to share them with anybody else. Right. First of good, all, they, good, they, sh good. they shouldn't I be like sharing. That. Yeah, they shouldn't be sharing in the first place. And mm -hmm. they're fools to think that that data is not going to get out. This is true, but it is their business model. Sharing it, naked photos. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, anybody that built an app back in the day, we're all all of us. We looked at each other and like, they're giving us all this stuff. Are they mm -hmm. crazy? Are they and, crazy? And yeah. We took it. We kept it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I still mm -hmm. have them around. 
Anybody I'm that sure signed I've got up, databases. Yep. Yeah. Anybody that signed up for our Muppets game, I'm sure in a in a table somewhere in an archive, there is, you know, probably at least two million user records mm-hmm. from Facebook. Yeah. But you know where that data isn't, Jason? It isn't on an unsecured Amazon web server. Well, I don't know. I, <laughs> it's on an unsecured yeah, Jason server. It's on a secured <laughs> drive somewhere in a closet. Right. Right. That Bam well, Bam uses as a chew yeah. toy. <laughs> I just I just tear off a user and toss it at her. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Here, have someone from Lithuania. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, it just doesn't stop. And it, I mean, there's a lot more of them out there. There's a lot more. We just haven't yeah. found them yet. Yeah. So a story from Andy Greenberg over at Wired, whose writing I always enjoy. And the title of this is Hacker Eva Galperin has a plan to eradicate eradicate stalkerware. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is uh, someone, she works for the EFF, and mm-hmm. uh, she's working with um, uh, malware or um, what do you call it, antivirus uh, software providers to start right. tagging stalkerware as viral, which okay. I think is great. And and she's also working behind the scenes uh, to try to get legislation passed and things like that. But basically, she is on a she is heading up. a. I, I was going to say a one a one person campaign, but really, she's just she's just motivated and she's leading this campaign. She's got the EFF right. behind her um, to try to get rid of this stalkerware, because the conclusion that I think everybody agrees on is that most of the people who use this the vast majority of people who use this are up to no good. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, the stuff is marketed as like what? Well, you know, make sure your kid isn't doing anything mm-hmm, crazy online. Mm-hmm. But the or vast majority. Yeah. 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 The other. So just, good on her. I'm with her. Yeah, me too. The other thing yeah. I just want to note is that uh, the photography mm-hmm. in this story is really great. And she looks like she's ready to step into the next Avengers movie. Yeah, I was thinking really Matrix, is. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Matrix, yeah. I, that yeah. is a very nice jacket she has there. Yeah. I was thinking the same hair. thing. <laughs> you're, you're coveting her jacket? Yeah, yeah, I, jacket. I, I, would, I would wear that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if, uh, you know, if there's anybody I want to have my back uh, in fighting stalkers, I, I think uh, <laughs> she certainly looks the part. She definitely looks like a badass. So yes, hats definitely. off to her. I would like to have a beer with Eva. There you go. But yeah. not a Guinness yeah. Blonde. But not a Guinness no. Blonde and no turtles. <laughs> right. Right. What I really liked about this is that she went for Kaspersky first because they need a win is, is the way she put it. <laughs> and she can get them yeah. on board and and they jumped on it, which is really cool for them to to come yep. in and say, look, you know, this used to say not a virus, but not right. And I mean, it was flagged, but it just still said not a virus. So it was a really weird error message that they used to put up. And mm-hmm. now it says this is a virus. Would you like to get rid of it? Which is really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. And I I really wish she wouldn't have said some of the things she said about Kaspersky in the article because it might weaken her position with them. Yeah. If I was the writer of this article, I would have left that stuff out because it kind of weakens her position. In I just love leverage. the fact that Jason, of all people, is the one saying that she should have exercised caution and been a bit more politic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, diplomacy is his his uh, sharp his sharp suit there, isn't it? Uh, it is. It is. Even a stop clock is right twice a day. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, this next story, uh, you know, we have talked about endlessly about how no one goes to jail for any yes. of these things. In corporate America, no one goes to jail. It doesn't matter what you do. Uh, the worst thing that usually happens is um, you get to retire early with your golden parachute to go yes. live on an island counting your money. 
Um, well, Elizabeth Warren, who is uh, running for the Democratic presidential nomination, she has mm-hmm. put in some legislation, uh, proposed legislation that corporate executives could face jail time if they oversee massive scams. What do you guys As think about this? They should. Yeah. Can, I, can I, we can we hire her now to be president? <laughs> yeah, we, I, we technically have to vote them in. I believe. I, at least that's well. Least, it used to be. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't a, know what's happening anymore. No, let's be honest. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> uh, I've read through a lot of Elizabeth Warren's um, campaign points and promises and platforms, and uh, I, I'm pretty down with most of what she has to say and and the approach about this. I, I think. I, you know, we know from just doing this segment uh, in the last couple of years that uh, there, there's nobody is ever responsible for anything when they clearly are when they clear. I mean, if it is so clear that, you know, that they were overseeing it and they knew what they were doing, why shouldn't they have jail time? Right. Why are they getting off? I, I don't understand. If we did it, we'd be in jail. Yeah. And wh- we just don't why happen not- to be the head of a multimillion dollar corporation. Right. Right. And this the the, the notion is that this would incentive incentivize them to really keep an eye on this stuff it would be nice yeah i'm down with this do you think there's enough political will do you think the tide is turning that we might see something like this make its way through no i hope so (laughs) i'd like i'd like to think so but i would like to think so but this country is so divided and uh, i don't i don't know Mm -hmm. i I just don't know you know elizabeth warren is far too polarizing of a figure Mm -hmm. um to 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 the right um and nobody else on the left is really beating this drum. She's kind of doing it alone. What I do hope is that we will influence other people in the Democratic parties uh, to at least take a look at this and pay attention to these types of things. Right. Um, you know, and change comes slow, but I'd like to see it. Yeah. Well, maybe it could get rolled into some privacy acts or something like that. But I, that I, would be I nice. agree yeah. that uh, I, I guess I'm cynical that this has a chance of going anywhere. But on the other hand, at least somebody's talking about it because... Yes, that's new. That is new. <laughs> that is new. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, <laughs> the sad state of affairs that we're mm-hmm. in. <laughs> oh, too funny. Oh. All right. Well, I got one final story here. It's not really a story. It's it's kind of a. a I was listening to uh, twenty six hundred off the hook radio program this morning. Hmm. You guys ever listen to that? No, I've not. I'm familiar okay, well, with twenty six hundred, but I didn't. I don't know this. Oh, yeah. Emmanuel Goldstein's had a show on the radio in New York for years. I mean, like decades. And Mm -hmm. they do two shows. They do uh, Off the Hook and the other one is some really bad one. Uh, The Off the Hook is more of the (laughs) hacker one. I I highly recommend it. It's uh, like once a week. It's a one hour long podcast. They just rebroadcast the radio show and it's hit or miss. But there have been some good things on there. Like I learned about the Strand Bookstore and the stuff that was going on there in New York from them. There's there's some good stuff. And this week they had on Jason Scott from the Internet Archive. Oh. And and they were talking about how they were in a mad scramble to save all of the Google Plus page, like the public Google Plus pages that Google was nuking. Because it's all gone now, unless you're a hmm. business client, because all of the business stuff in Google Plus is too tied into their back end and infrastructure to get rid of it. So if you're a business client, you can still play with Google Plus. But all the public Google Plus stuff is now gone. It's hmm. absolutely gone. They said they got... 98 to 99 percent of it and what there were some really interesting stats because they said when they got all of geocities it was like five or six terabytes like or like four or five terabytes of active data and like you know maybe another terabyte in there for the entirety of geocities when they get into (laughs) google plus they're in the six petabyte range wow (laughs) 
that's a lot Who of knew? stuff. That's a lot of stuff. So it's going to take them months to go through it. But right. there was I, they talk about all of the other services that go away and you know how they try and save them and how like nobody's really working with them that much. They do talk about the Flickr stuff with the new owners of Flickr and how they're like really trying to not delete as much stuff as they originally wanted to. And they're working with people to, you know, keep people who are dead, like keep their accounts alive. Mm-hmm. They're working with people who are Creative Commons publishers. If So if you're if you're over a photo limit, but your photos are Creative Commons, they'll keep them. They worked with some Tumblr stuff and all of these other services. But there was one key thing in here where they were asking Jason, like, OK, did you get to work with Google and like maybe they could just give you the data and they're like, yeah, it's Google. Forget it. You know, hmm. they don't care about people or anything like that. And he, he, one of the guys on the show asked him, was like, so do you think they really delete this stuff when it's gone? And he's like, he, he, he wouldn't give a straight answer, but he <laughs> gave a very cryptic roundabout answer because he still knows people over there that he has to, you know, still work with and things. He's like, the roundabout answer was hell no. They don't delete a goddamn thing. It's all still not. there. Yeah, it's why all would still they? There. Why would they? Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because I was thinking about the Internet Archive now lately because of the the MySpace stuff we talked about at the top of the show and them trying to do all the Google Plus stuff. And it's a seriously underfunded, you know, uh, organization. Yeah, it really it is. is. The stuff that they're doing, it's like. I, is there like a place where we can just send you our old hard drives to like reformat and <laughs> stick in the in the raids? <laughs> It'd be... Yeah, we'll send we'll send you drives with tons of Facebook dumps on them mm-hmm. <laughs> and dog spit and, <laughs> and naked ex girlfriends. <laughs> Although I, for me, it does beg a larger question, which is: Is there a point to saving Google Plus posts? Yeah, there is. It's 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 for the future. It's for the future. They're archivists. They want to save yeah. things that okay. were there. I, yeah, I I mean, I think about all those. Uh, decades worth of tonight show with johnny carson episodes that were lost forever yeah because nobody wanted to store the quad tapes they were recorded on and right. so they just got tossed in the dumpster because who's ever going to want to watch these things again mm-hmm. right. yeah so you just never know i i and those sorts of things i think drive this impulse <laughs> to just save everything i on the i i can't blame google for sticking these in a vault somewhere just in case right yeah yeah, I just, I mean, I wish these guys had had better funding and just a whole better team behind it. And it, the, the crazy thing about it is any of these billionaires out there could write them a check that would keep them in business for the next like 50 years mm-hmm. with, with you yes. know, as a rounding error for their, you know, their vacation budget or their, their plane budget. Right. And it would be really nice because I think it's, I think they're doing, you know, I'm not going to say the Lord's work, but maybe the flying spaghetti monsters work to <laughs> save this stuff for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's important. Yeah, even though we know Google doesn't delete it, they're just never going to give it back up. But it's, <laughs> I mean, the Wayback Machine is one of the coolest things on the internet. It's true. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. I highly recommend checking out the episode because he does talk about a lot of stuff when it comes to the Internet Archive and the work that they're doing to, you know, to save these these dying sites. Because, you know, things do actually go away on the internet, you know, contrary to popular belief. And yeah. uh, tw- the off the hook show, I I do enjoy it. You know, those guys are they're hit or miss. They're definitely hit or miss. They get some things right, some things wrong, some things very very wrong. But so do we. <laughs> so what are you going to do? So do we. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. They're kindred spirits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Alrighty, that, everyone. that was a lot. Yes, we covered a lot this week. All right, turtles all the way down. Turtles all, turtles the, all way the way down. down. Yep, bucket of turtles for everybody. Gosh. 
All right, guys. Turtle cancer. Great. All right. Talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. (laughs) Ups and doodads. I've been working on some scripts lately for my courses, and I've been using Scrivener 3. I think I've actually reviewed Scrivener 3 on the show before. I believe so. And I really like the software too. When I was, um, you know, when, as everyone does that, uh, writes or creates or anything, once you have a kid, you think you have uh, insights that nobody else has had. And I briefly played around with the idea of writing something about being a new dad. And I use Scrivener. It was nice. Yeah. It's really nice, especially if you're doing a lot of research and putting things where mm-hmm. it needs to go. And I haven't really dug into Scrivener three until recently. And it is a really nice upgrade. I've used Scrivener since version one. Mm-hmm. And this new version is much nicer. It's just cleaner has a lot of nice features in it, and I really like it because it syncs with Dropbox, so I can keep things in one place, and I can work on work on my Macs. I can work on iOS, which is mm-hmm. the next thing that I've been doing because I've got that massive monster 12-inch iPad now, mm-hmm. and I've been going back and forth with my computers, and it works really well. And Scrivener for iOS is not as you know not as nice, but you still can write in your you know write in your chapters and do everything like you normally would because all you need to do is put some words onto the page. Right. Well, that got me thinking. I'm trying to type on, you know, the the, the 12-inch iPad, you can type on the screen. It is big enough where there's a Mm -hmm. full-size keyboard on it. But I'm like, I would kind of like to get a new keyboard for it, like a Bluetooth keyboard or like a case keyboard. The only option right now is that ridiculously expensive $160 Apple smart cover with the keyboard. Right. Never buy those. Those are terrible. (laughs) So did a little research and found the Logitech K380 multi-device Bluetooth keyboard, Windows, Mac, Chrome OS, Android, iPad, iPhone, Apple TV compatible with flow, cross-computer control, and easy switch up to three devices, dark gray. <laughs> now, I got a $20 case for my, my iPad instead mm-hmm. of the 140 or $120 like regular case. And now I have a $30 keyboard that goes with it. Right. So good savings there. And this new keyboard is heavy, though. It's a nice size. It is almost exactly the same width as the the iPad Pro 12 inch. So I can sit, like set up the iPad on the table, put the keyboard up to it, just turn it on and it goes. It's Bluetooth, right. so it requires batteries though. It doesn't it's not one of those like rechargeable keyboards, which is great. I love that. Key action is 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 pretty nice. It's quiet. It's very quiet. Uh the only problem is that I didn't research this before I bought it. It's not backlit. So there's no no typing in the dark, which is fine, I guess, you know, I guess if you're trying to keep your work to certain hours anyways, that's true. That's (laughs) true. I get to bed at, you know, between seven and nine every night. So there's not a whole lot of typing in the dark, but I do get up at four in the morning and it is still dark, but turn on the light, you know, (laughs) and I don't travel. So for in the house and just being able to sit at like the breakfast table and jot out some notes, have some coffee in the morning and just Mm -hmm. chill. It's great. It's a great little keyboard. And it works with your iPhone and, you know, all of the other iPads I have. The really cool thing about it is you can set it up to sync with three different devices. Right. So I can set it to go with my phone or each of my two iPads, and you can just switch it by pressing a button, which is really cool. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one keyboard, three devices, all you have to do is just press one button to, to switch which one you're going to use. One keyboard to rule them all. Exactly. It's really nice for 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. Well worth it. Well worth it. Now, one thing I won't be buying, sadly, is uh, <laughs> uh, the air power mat. Rest in peace. Almost made yeah, it to market. Yeah, they couldn't get it to work, right? Yeah, almost made it to market. It was so mm-hmm. close to making it to market that uh, apparently on the packaging for the new AirPod 2s, 
they even talk about the the mat. <laughs> right. So no air power for you. They just couldn't quite get it to work. Yeah, well, so. I was waiting on this one, too, because I wasn't able to get uh, my phone to work on any of the other third-party pads. So I think I will just, uh, I'll be a plug-in power person for a while still. Yeah, you still have an I- until the next round. You still have an iPhone 6, though, right? <laughs> no, oh. no, no. I have an iPhone 7. Okay, well, 7 still, yeah. Yeah, I've just, even my roommate's 8 Plus doesn't work on the cheap pads for some reason. Right. I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things where it's hit or miss. So All right. you should take it to the Genius Bar next time you go in and say, hey, why won't this charge? Maybe there's a setting should, that you're missing. I should ask. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, whatever. Or I'll just, you know, I have my charging stand that I very much like on, on my nightstand now. And oh, that, that's right. That does the job for me. There you so go. So I'm, I'm okay. Okay. Now, I am a huge fan of Mexican food, and I stumbled across something that I think I must have if I do eventually take the leap and leave Los Angeles. One of the reasons, I, I lived in London for almost two years, and one of the reasons I, I came back, and, and I shit you not, this is a real reason, was the, the state of Mexican food was so piss poor in london at that point in time i just couldn't hack it <laughs> i need my mexican food and uh if i do pick up and move to toronto i've actually upped my mexican cooking game quite a bit uh in in basically preparation so at least i'll be able to make myself <laughs> some delicious mexican food yeah. when i'm living there um and uh i will have to uh i'm just uh, pointing this out if i do end up making this move this would be a lovely goodbye present for me it is a tortilla blanket <laughs> it is beautiful it is amazing. It is made from 100% soft microfiber printed on both sides. It's available to order for under $41. It's five feet big, which makes it big enough to wrap around your entire body and make yourself into a burrito. It, it, it is so clever and amazing. Like, I love this thing. It, link is in the show notes. You've got to look at it. I was looking at it and I'm thinking it looks like the dog pooped on it. <laughs> It's all I can think of when I saw it. It looks like a white Okay, blanket. if you are a dog owner, you may not necessarily want to have this laying around the house <laughs> really? because it could potentially yeah. look like that, but uh, I think it's quite clever. It is funny. Did you scroll down and see the uh, the tortilla swaddles for babies? Yes, I did see that, and I was like, damn, why wasn't that around when my kid was that small? <laughs> very, very cute. Closing shout outs. I've got a shout out to our friends in Canada. I got a, a care package from Canada of uh, Mira coffee. I don't know if you remember this, Brian, when we were at the fireside conference. I do. This basically was the only thing that kept me alive. Yes. <laughs> that and <laughs> on beer. The, on, yeah. Well, it, it kept me alive after the beer because in the mornings, the mornings were a little rough sometimes. So you have a beer, then you go get some Mira coffee. And this is out of Toronto. And if you go to drinkmira, M-I-U-R-A.com, you can check them out. If you're a Canadian, you can get some. They sent me a care package this week. So I have eight cans that I have to ration until September when we go back for Fireside. <laughs> but man, this stuff is good. It's the, uh, you know, hot brewed and like nitro chilled coffee. Yes. Oh, God, this stuff is so good. Highly recommend it, which is why I'm so chatty today. <laughs> <laughs> i did not ration it <laughs> apparently not until next time i'm brian schulmeister and i'm jason DeFilippo. thanks for listening to grumpy old geeks to support the show and keep us on the air go to patreon.com slash gog toss us a buck a month and we'll love you forever if you'd like to give a one-time or recurring donation go to gog.show and click the paypal button in the sidebar show notes for this episode are at gog.show slash 334 from there you can find links to old episodes leave feedback ask questions and get links to stuff we like stay grumpy <laughs>